1: To the Cop Table podcast, where on this show we are previewing the Liverpool versus Manchester United game this coming Sunday at Anfield. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. Jay is the uh, regular on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show and uh, a regular with us on the Cop Table now. How are you, Jay?
2: Yeah, not too bad, mate. You know, just uh, recovering from a great result in midweek in the Champions League and all focus now on the Premier League game against Manchester United at the weekend.
1: Yeah, big one coming up. Unfortunately, we have been um, unsuccessful in our in our quest to find a, a Manchester United fan to join us this week. Since I lost the messages, and um, unfortunately, there's not been anyone available. So um, it'll just be me and Jay with you tonight, and um, we'll we'll cover all all bases required. So. First of all, Jay, we're going to go back um, a week to the the Bournemouth fixture. Looked a tricky one um, beforehand, and then we've gone down there and we played a very good game and uh, come out with a 4-0 victory. What was your your thoughts on that performance, Jay?
2: Yeah, I think we had a, a little bit of a boost, didn't we, going into the game when Callum Wilson was ruled out. I think it was with a hamstring injury, wasn't it? And He's been on fire this season. He scored quite a lot of goals for them, and he's been instrumental, really, in the good start to this, the season that they've had and you know we were expecting a tough game but when you analyse it all really we shouldn't have been fearing anything because Bournemouth are the type of team that let you play football you'll have a game of football with you you know they're not going to kick you off the park the way Burnley had done it in the previous midweek to it so you know really it was a game that Liverpool should have been looking at thinking you know, it's a three-point stare for us to be to be, to be be got, really. And that's exactly what did happen. And I thought, like, we rolled it back a little bit. I mean, it was one of our better performances of the season. Um, you know, it was a little bit like our old selves from last season, really. The free-flowing football, you know, looking like every time we went forward we were going to score. And obviously we were rewarded, weren't we, with four goals in the game. And it was great that Mo Salah got a hat-trick, I mean. You know, the lad's hit a bit of form the last couple of months, hasn't he, coming for a bit of criticism at the start of the season, and I just personally think it was a little bit of a hangover from the World Cup. Also a little bit of concern about the shoulder injury that he got in the Champions League final back in May. don't think he'd fully recovered from it, but now, as we've noticed in the last six or seven weeks, you know he's been on fire really, hasn't he? He's been scoring goals for fun again, and now he's the top scorer again in the Premier League. And, you know he took some of his goals really well, didn't he? And it was just a great all-round performance, wasn't it? I mean, sometimes you can you can win a game of football and you'd be flattered by the scoreline, but you know Liverpool certainly weren't. and you know four nil was probably a true reflection on the game as well, really, and. It was just great, wasn't it? You know, Liverpool have done really well since the last international break. We've had three away games now. We beat Watford 3-0, we beat Burnley 3-1, and we also beat Bournemouth 4-0, as we're talking about here, and you know, three massive away wins, and that it sent Liverpool top of the table. And It was great, wasn't it? Later on in the day, they put the pressure on Man City. Yeah, they had a tough away game against Chelsea. Liverpool went to Chelsea and got a point, didn't they? And City couldn't manage it, and... They lost the game 2-0 and Liverpool and now remain top of the table going into this weekend set of fixtures. So, you know, it's all good at the moment and everything's rosy in the garden, isn't it, Peter?
1: Yeah, most definitely. And then we we moved on to the to the midweek fixture against Napoli in, in the Champions League, which, again, on paper, looked like a very difficult tie. Crowd was well up for it and um, 1-0 victory. Talk us through that game, please, Jay.
2: Yeah, it was a massive test, wasn't it? I mean, Napoli are a very good side. We we saw that, didn't we, when we went over to Italy. And I know they scored a last-minute winner against us, but they controlled the majority of the game. And, you know, it had been coming, that goal. I mean, we couldn't have argued if we'd have lost the game 3-0. Liverpool were horrendous on the night, really. And, you know, they're a very good side. There's no two ways about it. And going into the game, I mean, it, we, we had a little bit of a bonus, really, when they conceded that late goal to red star Belgrade in the previous game which then meant that Liverpool didn't have to beat them by two clear goals only if they got an away goal or Anfield effectively become a knockout game didn't it Um, but 1-0 would have done us and you know we went into the game with a little bit of a nervy edge to to it really Um, you know expecting another Anfield miracle night and that's exactly what we got and you know, the atmosphere was fantastic it was electric at times and you know, Napoli did play the part in the game, He looked very dangerous, the midfield runners, you know, that Liverpool struggled to pick up at times, but I think when you analyse the whole game, I mean, Liverpool had plenty of of, of chances in the match, I mean, we could have easily put three or four past them, Sadio Mane could have had a hat-trick himself, couldn't he? Uh, Mo Salah had an opportunity before he actually got his goal, Um, Wijnaldum had a chance as well second half, so, you know, Liverpool had plenty of opportunities to put the game to bed early, really, but you know, it's like anything else, isn't it? If you don't if you don't take your opportunities then there's always gonna be that chance and the thought that, you know, they could get one chance and score and he did have other opportunities, but the one at the end was just what a fantastic save by Allison and you know, sometimes in life you get what you pay for and we've already seen that with Virgil van Dijk when we signed him in January time. He's a man mountain and we keep on saying it, he's a Rolls Royce, he's the best centre half in the Premier League. Certainly one of the best centre-halves in world football at this moment in time. And no-one really talks about his price tag. £75 million is an absolute bargain, if you could ever call that a bargain. But it actually is, because he's tremendous. He marshals that back line. But it's not just about him. Allison has been superb, you can go back to the save he made in the derby point-blank range from Andrzej Gomez, you can also point back to the, the, the save he made at Turf Moor against Burnley, right in the top corner, fantastic save again, and then once again against Napoli in the Champions League, point-blank range, made himself look big a big presence in the goal and, and, and obviously saved it, fantastic right at the end in, in injury time if the, if that goes in, you know, we're out of the Champions League and in the Europa League and you know, it just shows you sixty five million pound. Not many people talk about that either, do they? Already, and that's just a testament to how good that he really is. But you know, I thought Liverpool were were worthy winners on the night, and you know we should have put a few more past them, really. And we are in, in a rich vein of form at this moment in time, and you know it's just great to be in into the next round now. Because you know it's crazy when you look at that group, and Liverpool played six games and lost three, all three away games. We only got nine points, but we're through to the next round, and. You know, we can put it to bed now. The draw's on Monday, isn't it? Um, You know, after the weekend, we've got the draw on Monday. Something to look forward to at the start of the weekend. You know, bring them all on. It doesn't matter who we get. I mean, obviously, you'd prefer to avoid someone like Maybe Barcelona or Juventus or Bayern Munich, but to be perfectly honest, we, yeah, I'd love Liverpool to get round Madrid because we've got a score to settle with them and playing them over two legs. I, I'd really fancy our chances. That they're not the same type of team this season. They're really struggling with the loss of Ronaldo. Um, you look at Barcelona. Yeah, you know Barcelona are a very good side, but. You know why couldn't we beat them over two legs? I don't think Bayern Munich are the team that he wants to wear either. They've got a new manager, now in Kovac. Um, also, you look at Juventus, and yeah, they look very good at Old Trafford. But don't forget, they lost in Schirin to Manchester United, and you also look at the fact that they lost the other night to Young Boys as well. So, you know, they can certainly be beaten. There's no two ways about it. So. Uh, you know, it's it's just great to be in the next round, and lets you see what awaits us on the, when we get the draw on Monday.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously Virgil Van Dijk is going to miss the first leg of, of that um, of that two-legged uh, fixture due to his, his yellow card at against uh, Napoli. Um, we've got this defensive injury crisis, if you want, at the moment, haven't we, Jay? We've got Matip, who's now out with a, a shoulder injury, six weeks. We lost Joe Gomez to hairline fracture in in his um in his leg as well. Now it looks like Trent could be missing for, for a couple of weeks. What's what's your take on this? Who do you see coming into to fill these positions and um looking in towards January, would you see Jurgen Klopp possibly dipping into the transfer market to to um to level this off?
2: Well, Going back to the original point about Van Dijk being suspended for the for the first leg of the next stage, in a strange kind of way, that might be OK for us because with us coming second in the group, we're likely to be at home first for the first leg. So, you know, depending on who we got, whether it be Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Bayern Munich, whoever, at least the game will be at Anfield that he'd miss. And you, you'd, you'd imagine Liverpool would be able to cope with it a little bit better than Anfield and we would in the Bernabeu or the New Camp or the Allianz or, you know, in Turin or something like that. So, from that aspect of it, it probably isn't the end of the world because he'd be back for the return leg, which would be away from home. Um, going on to the injury issues that we've got, it, it is a problem now because, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Gomez... There was a massive blow in being injured. So that rules out the opportunity of someone covering for Trent alexander Arnold at right-back. Now Trent's got injured as well. Nathaniel Clyne's also injured. So that's all three right-backs. Or, you know, by trade, you can play that role. That's naturally. They're all injured. So, you know, the centre-half situation's not great because obviously Gomez plays there as well. Mattup's now injured too. Lovren can fit into that position that's not that much of an issue because last season he done quite well alongside Virgil van Dijk. The right-back situation's a massive concern though because, I mean, you're going to have to look at someone like Milner maybe covering that role or Fabinho, he's, he's played there for Monaco, he's played there for Brazil as well. It's not ideal playing him there, he's never played in the Premier League at right back and I wouldn't really fancy that too much, I think, out of the two, I prefer Milne there. There's also talk that Camacho could be promoted and he could play that role because he has played it for the under twenty three. so there's a few options there but it's certainly not ideal and it is becoming a little bit of a problem now because, you know, obviously we're in a busy period now, this festive period, the games come thick and fast, don't they, and you know, it's it's really tough, isn't it, on on the, the group of players now that are available to play games because there's there's no really much margin for error. It is the off and manoeuvring, really, where you can, you know, switch the team around and make changes and give players a rest and what have you. So it's going to be really difficult for the ones that are going to be playing in them positions. So it's not ideal. It, it's, it's not great. And then looking ahead into the January transfer window, I mean, there was all the talk in the summer. Liverpool were after the centre-half cells at Newcastle or Tarkowski at Burnley now I mean Liverpool decided not to dip the toe in a transfer market for a centre half and we ended up putting our trust in Joe Gomez and he's been a revelation hasn't he so yeah. I mean personally I, I, I just can't see his knee jerking but it's just not the clock way is it I mean I know we are struggling for numbers there but I just think when does Klopp ever need and make signings? He, he, he's very meticulous, isn't he, in who he wants to sign. And maybe the groundwork has already been done initially last summer on Lascelles and Tarkowski, but there's not really been much talk of the possibility of he signing sign someone in January. There was the talk about the agent that Tarkowski said they're going to see how the start of the season goes, because Burnley were actually in Europe, weren't they, at the time? Um, but then they went out of it quite quickly. There was talk that maybe Liverpool would revisit that in the January time. That was via his agents, but whether or not we do, it seems to have gone really quiet on that. And he's been injured quite a bit, Tarkowski. and you know, like this season, barely have struggled, haven't they, at the back? So maybe we've like changed, tact on who we would want as a centre half. But as I say, I'm not aware of Liverpool being in the market for someone in January. But I have had a few people say, well, oh, maybe his hand will be forced now because you know what happens if Lovren or Van Dijk gets injured in these next couple of games. I mean, we've got Manchester United at the weekend, and we've got a tough trip to Wolves. We've got uh, Newcastle and Arsenal at home in the space of three or four days. So it, it certainly isn't ideal at all. And and after, as soon as the turn of the year comes, we're away to Man City. So if you're going into that game against Manchester City with one fifth centre-half, you're going to be in massive trouble, aren't you? So I don't know. I mean, it's something that might be revisited. But you know, at this moment in time, I'm certainly sure Clock will be monitoring things, but he certainly won't need Jake because it's just not his way, it's just not his style. Um, but it's definitely, definitely a dilemma now and it's definitely a problem and an issue for us because we can ill afford to have any more injuries to the back line. What you might find is Fabinho might have to fill in at centre-half at times as well, another option to play there. But then you know, you really are clutching at stores, you know, you, there's, there's not really anything else you could do, I mean, Nathaniel Phillips played, didn't he, a, a couple of games in pre-season, but I believe he's injured at the moment as well, I'm not too sure how long he's going to be out for, but, you know, that's not ideal, because even he was probably fifth choice, and he's injured as well, and then you've got Conor Masterson having you, the Irish lad, who could be in, in consideration, I suppose, but again, I think he's missed a portion of the season as well through injury, so you know, At this moment in time, we're a little bit cursed, aren't we, in the injury department? So it's not ideal, but you know, we just have to hope and pray that we don't get any more.
1: Yeah, and just talking about the, the centre-back situation, Jay, obviously most of the top um, sides in the Premier League now they have, they have five centre-backs, don't they, readily available. Um, we let Ragnar Clavan go in the summer. I think he's, he went to Cagliari in Italy, didn't he? Um, just think that we, we scored a little bit of an own goal back by letting him go and not not replacing him and, and just going with the with the four that we had and and then after that a pool of youngsters.
2: Yeah, quite possibly. But hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And now we're only talking about it because we've got these injuries and it was always a possibility, I know. But you know, we wanted to give that Phillips a chance, didn't he? Because he is a towering presence. I think he's six foot four, six foot five. He's a giant, isn't he? And you know, Klopp is all for bringing the youngsters through, isn't he? We've seen that in the past and. You knew that from his time at Dortmund. It's just his management style. He loves to do it. So he decided to go with Phillips as his fifth choice. And it's just unfortunate at the moment that he's got a little bit of a knock as well. He could be out for a couple of weeks. So, I don't know. He took a gamble. He took a risk. And we've got to December time now, haven't we? And now it's starting to bite us a little bit. But, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah.
1: And um, looking forward to this Manchester United fixture, J. From a United point of view, how are they? how Coming to Anfield, I'll just see them setting up. Do you think Mourinho's going to do his his usual tactic and play a lot of men behind the ball um, and try and hit us on the break as and when? I'll just see um, United playing this one.
2: Well, I don't really think United know any other way out to play against the top side, do they? Because we've already had two experiences of it. You know, since Mourinho's been at Manchester United, he's come to Anfield twice with this Manchester United group of players. And basically, he's got two nil nil draws, and he, that he come for a point and got a point, showed no ambition whatsoever, and just you know put men behind the ball and tried to negate Liverpool's you know, attacking and prowess. And you know, even in the first season, you know, Liverpool were nowhere near as good as what they are now, or even what they were last season, but he still tried the same tactic, and you know, they got the nil nil draw, and then last season again. You know, Liverpool had a few extra players last season. We had Salah on board as well. And, you know, again, he, he done exactly the same thing. I think in the game two years ago, they had one shot all night. I think they had two shots at Anfield last season. So that's his style. You know, he, he's a very negative style manager. You know, his tactics are, are dated, aren't he? You know, he doesn't... He hasn't evolved with the game, in my opinion. But, you know, you certainly can't underestimate him because... As we touched on before, talking about the Champions League games, they went to Turin, they got played off the park, were 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go and ended up somehow miraculously winning the game 2-1. Incredible. you know They're a very, very poor side. One of the worst Manchester United teams in living memory, to be honest. Um, but, you know, you can never underestimate them. They have got players that can hurt you. There's no two ways about it. I mean, we all know how much of an enigma that Paul Pogba is. I mean, some days he looks great, other days he looks absolutely horrific. You know, his aware, uh, tactical awareness is shocking, really. He's a luxury player. He, he's he's like a, um, how can I say it? You know, he, he's just like a joke of a footballer. But every now and then, he'll just produce a moment of magic. And, and to be fair, there have been rare moments of magic this season. But, you know, you know he's got a little bit in his locker. But, you know, it's like Lukaku he go he scores goals in bunches but then he'll go on long balance spells and the ball will be bouncing off him, you know. He's an horrendous player really as an all round footballer, but he's always good for a goal or two, isn't he? So you can never rest on your laurels and just think it's gonna be and assume it's gonna be an easy game and an easy three points because you still have got players you can hurt, yeah. I mean I me Martial's had a very good season and it's clear as day that him and Mourinho don't see eye to eye but he still scores goals at a very good ratio. You know he's a, he's a top player and he's probably playing on that left hand side. So you know whoever plays right back at the weekend is going to be in for a, a tough afternoon, I think, because you know if it's going to be Milner or it's going to be Fabinho, you're going to be playing against Martial. He's he's arguably United's best player, isn't he? So they yeah, have got players who can hurt you can hate, yeah, but. The, the horrible teams to, to watch, the horrible teams to play against because you'll just try and stifle everything that you do with his tactics, his negative tactics. I mean, I'm fully expecting them to have all the dogs in the middle of the park Matic, Fellaini, Herrera. You know, just horrible, horrible, awful footballers, but sometimes they can be effective, can't they? And, that's why I personally would go with Fabinho in the middle because I think we're gonna need his presence in there because he he's what six foot one. You no, know, you're gonna be up against Matic and Fellaini, who are massive the Giants, aren't they? So we need someone in there who's gonna be combative also as well because they're gonna they're gonna play long balls as well. It's 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 obvious that they're gonna do that because they got a little bit of joy against us last season at Old Trafford playing that way. Certainly against Asian Lovren and and he's going to start the game at centre half with Van Dijk. So if, if you have got Fabinho in front of the back four, I mean that's just an extra tower and presence that can, can can help with the long balls. I mean you've seen it the other night against Napoli in the last couple of minutes. I think he won three headers in the space of five minutes where they were pumping long balls, you know, upfield. So you know he's going to he, he should be used as an aid there. For the game on Sunday against United there's no two ways about that, I'd be certainly playing him in the midfield area um, other than that you know, defensively they've got issues United because they've got a few injuries there haven't they and I mean, the likes of Phil Jones and Bailey and Rojo and all them are going to probably play Ashley Young and what have you and it'd it just, it just be typical I wouldn't, it? I mean to have to hire, as we all know he's a world class goalkeeper arguably the best in the world but not on current form, he's been he's been really poor this season and it'd just be typical wouldn't it that he'd turn up at Anfield and have an absolute worldie but you know, let's hope he doesn't and he carries on his poor form but like I say you can never underestimate them but I think you do know what you're going to get from them, they're going to come they're going to try and spoil the party and they'll be absolutely ecstatic with a point because they have been in the last two seasons
1: Yeah and also from a United perspective you've got some fans who blame the manager and then you've got other fans who are blaming the people above in the likes of Ed Woodward and and things like that. Um, put yourself in a United fan's shoes. How do you see the the future of their club? Who goes first? Is it the 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 board executives, if you like, or or is it Jose Mourinho?
2: It's gotta be Mourinho, hasn't it? It's clear as day. He's lost the dressing room. there. Only half that team's playing for him. It's an absolute clown of a man, isn't he? I mean. You know, he's got this proper chip on his shoulder that, like, the board haven't backed him. This is a fella who's had five transfer windows and spent virtually half a billion in transfer fees. And they don't really sell many players, do they? Let's be honest. You know, the way Liverpool have spent quite a lot of money recently, but, you know, we spent 75 on Van Dijk. We spent uh, 65 on Alisson. But those two signs were, were paid for by the sale of Philip Coutinho to Barcelona. Yet OK, we signed Cater for 52 and Fabinho for 40, another 92 million. But don't forget, Liverpool got a hell of a lot of money for the Champions League run last season when we got to the final, probably 50, 60 million pounds. So, you know, you go on about like, he's saying he hasn't been backed purely because he spat his dummy out because he wasn't given the funds to sign yet another centre-half in the summer when he wanted to sign someone like Harry Maguire or Jerome Boatang or Diego Golden. But what you've got to realize is he's already spent 85 million on Lindelof, 85 million on Eric Bailey. I mean, what? How much more money does he want? He's had like 450 to 500 million pounds to, to assemble a team over five transfer windows and two and a half seasons, and they're absolutely horrendous. They've gone backwards. They're like a throwback to Wimbledon. I mean, I'm not being funny or not, but do you blame the board for not giving them any more money? I mean, he begged them to to go out on a limb and sign Alexi Sanchez from under the nose of Guardiola at, at Man City last January time. You know, they, they give him astronomical wages. I mean, it's believed to be around about 500, 500 grand a week. Now, that's absolutely insane. I mean, what is going on? That That's just like ludicrous. I mean, I know he's a very good player, but he certainly hasn't shown it at United, he's just it's like he, he, he's lost there in that formation and the system that Mourinho plays and wants wants his players, how, he, how he wants his players to play, he doesn't allow them to express themselves at all, does he? So they can't play their natural game and it just hasn't suited Alexis Sanchez, I think he's a good player, I mean, I'm, I'm relieved now because when you look at the league table Liverpool's main problem is Man City, it's us and City who are going for the title and you know, I'm relieved that like he didn't end up at City because he could have been very good under Guardiola. Now he's he sat in uh, Manchester United's bench, you know, kicking his heels, really, not suiting the system. So I'm happy. But you know, when you consider like they spent 450 million pounds on players and then got Alexis Sanchez on a swap deal with Mkhitaryan, but the amount of money that that whole deal, you know, comprised of, it, it is absolutely incredible. So you might as well call it half a billion. And they're no better now than what they were under Louis Van Gaal. In fact, they're arguably worse. So, uh, you know, you only have to look at the league table. We've only played 16 games and they're already 16 points behind Liverpool. So that just shows you in what direction both clubs are going in. So, you know, like I say, it's one of them, isn't it? How any how he's still got a job to me is beyond belief. I can't believe they just haven't got shot of them. But I suppose, in a way, the they, they give him another year didn't they, on his deal, they activated that clause that he had in his contract and by doing that, they've shot themselves in the foot really because I think his payoff would be about £20 million now I know Manchester United are a filthy rich club, but £20 million is a lot of money to get rid of your manager isn't it, so maybe there's an element of that where they're thinking well at least he did get us through to the next round of the Champions League, so that's generated a little bit of money for them, a little bit more money for them, hasn't it? So they probably thought, "Well, let's ride with it, see how we go until the end of the season, and then we'll replace him in the summer." Because it's even though they're a massive club, it's not that straightforward, is it? Getting the manager that you really truly want. I mean, the manager might be at a different club. There's all the talk that they want Pochettino at Spurs. So if that's the case, I can't see Pochettino leaving Spurs mid-season. It'd probably be in the summer when the deal gets. You know when it happens, so I think this will be Mourinho's last season. But you know, whilst he's there, the longer he is there, you know, you can't see it getting much better, can you really? And the dead it's now to not make the top four, which is music to our ears, isn't it? So long may it continue.
1: Yeah, and United, like ourselves, are struggling with um, with a few injuries as well. I know you mentioned Martial uh, that being a danger man, but he's actually missed the last week week with um with a slight hamstring problem so he's he is a doubt for the game. They've also got um the the midfield is, is pretty short. I think McTominy went down with um with an injury this week and then in defence they're they're looking um they're looking a bit short as well. I think uh, Luke Shaw, um Dallo, the, the Portuguese guy he's out as well. Uh, small and missed the, the midweek game due to having a, an injury, so they're not um, at the strongest either themselves. So, taking that into account, what what sort of side do you think Jurgen Klopp's gonna put out? Do you think he's gonna stick with the the four three three and and go aggressive like he did against Napoli, or do you think he'll revert back to the to the four two three one, which is which has been quite effective and I feel this season, Jay.
2: Yeah, I mean we we have been playing four two three one at Anfield, haven't we? But mainly against like the lesser teams. Now I don't know whether you could quite call Manchester United the lesser team, really. It's still a massive, still a massive game, isn't it? And they've still got players, as I said before, that can hit. Yeah, but I mean the other night, I mean we did go to the four three three system, didn't we? So I do think you know in the bigger games you just prefer the four three three. To be honest with you, and I, I think after the performance in midweek and the chances that we created, I, I can see him sticking to the 4 3 And I just think, you know, when you've got, I just don't see him starting Shakiri in this game because I, even though we all know that he's a very good player, he's creative and he's got magic in his boots and he does suit a 4 uh, 2. Sorry, he does suit the system where it's four two three one. I just think he's a little bit concerned still about his tactical awareness and his tactical discipline in the big game, so I can't see him starting this game. I think what, he, what will be interesting is to see who he opts to go with in midfield, because let's presume now he's going to play Milner at right-back, Loveland's going to be centre-half with Van Dyke, and obviously Andy Robertson at left-back. The midfield's a dilemma really, isn't it? Personally, I've just said before, I would go with Fabinho, just purely because of his presence and his height, and they're going to try and bombard us at times with long balls, so we could be used to cut it out, you know, in terms of an anchor in front of the back four. Um, I think Cater might start the game because of his energy levels, and also Wynaldon for his energy levels, too. That means Henderson would miss out. Now, I thought Henderson done quite well, certainly in the second half against Napoli, not so much in the first half. But what you find with Henderson, he doesn't seem to be able to play two games in a week no more. But he did put a lot into that game against Napoli. And I know he's the club captain, but he has missed quite a few games. He didn't start the game against Bournemouth. He didn't start the game against Everton because he was suspended. But he did play in the midweek game against Burnley. So I do feel that he could miss out and it could be a midfielder, Fabinho, Wijnaldum and Kita, just purely because of the high purposes with Fabinho, as I've said, and the energy levels of the other two one can play left, one can play right, and he can switch. So, for me, that's what I would go with. Because, you know, we're yet to see it in cater, but he does like to get stuck in, doesn't he, as well? Do you know what I mean? So, I think at times he's looked a little bit timid. But I thought against Burnley, he ran the show, and he looked quite good against Bournemouth as well. And I always say, when a player hits a little bit of form, just keep playing them. I was disappointed he never started in midweek, but I know Klopp likes to try and trusted of the three that have been there, the experienced ones of Milner and Henderson and Wynald And it worked the other night, but it doesn't always work. It certainly doesn't work in the away games in the Champions League. And I think he will mix it up against United on Sunday. And like I say, that's the midfield three I would go with. And then, of course, the obvious front three of Mane on one side, Salah on the other, and Firmino up top. But we should have more than enough to be able to beat United. But like I say, you can never underestimate them.
1: Yeah, and just one one player who you mentioned there, Roberto Firmino. He's not hit the heights of his, his form from, from previous seasons as of yet. Is his form um, a concern to yourself, Jay?
2: Yeah, it is because I think he scored six goals all season and it's not enough for you from your centre-forward. And I know his position's been meddled with a little bit this season when we've changed system to the four two three one. He's been the one that's dropped deep uh, and it's, it's made for Salah to go up front. Now, it's, it's not ideal. It hasn't been ideal for him. And I think he has struggled and he hasn't seemed happy, to be honest. Something doesn't seem quite right. When people are going on about Salah, his lack of celebrations after you know when he scores a goal. But mm. I, I've, been, I've felt that about Firmino as well, not scoring goals. He hasn't been scoring many. And I know he did score, didn't he, against uh, Burnley recently in the away game but what I'm trying to say is to to score six goals in what is it like 20 games this season it's not a very good return really is it from a side that's so free flowing and creates a lot of opportunities he's been a little bit off this season he's not been the same player from last season and it is a slight concern I'm just hoping that he hits a little bit of form scores a couple of goals and goes on a run and then all's forgotten and isn't it but it is definitely a concern and I, I, I just think sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much and seems a bit off the pace as well. And you know he's not got any injuries that I'm aware of, but he just doesn't seem right. Something just doesn't seem right with him, and it is a slight concern. But you know, let's hope that he scores on Sunday and then goes on a run. Yep,
1: fingers crossed uh he'll come good for for us this uh, this weekend. Right then, Jay. Before we um, go on to the to the band, I'd just like to get your your thoughts on a on a score prediction and um, your reasons for that, please.
2: You know what, right? I think it, it would be absolutely fantastic if we could give them a hard and three or four nil. And I do think we owe them one as well because the last two times they've come to Manfield, it's been nil nil. It's been stale, negative, awful. They've ruined the game. And the away games, when we played them at Old Trafford, I mean, when we lost there last season, 2-1, it was unbelievable, really. I mean, I've never known a Manchester United team at home. I think they had three shots in the whole game, scored two of them. They had two corners. I think they had 35% possession at home at Old Trafford. Absolutely shocking. Now, don't get me wrong, they won the game, so the fans go home happy, but you can't kid them they know themselves, this Manchester United team, it's, it's not the United team of old, and you know Liverpool certainly owed them, because even in that game at Old Trafford last season, I think Liverpool never played to the levels that we know we can do, we're still in control, still dominance. we should have had two or three penalties in that game, if memory serves me right as well, you know, Liverpool certainly owe Manchester United to, to beat them, but not just beat them, give them a hiding, now it would be fantastic if it happened, as I just said, but you know any win will do. We just we just need to keep on winning. Manchester City play on Saturday afternoon against Everton. I can't see Everton doing us any favors, so it's likely that Man City are going to go back above us before we play. And it's important for Liverpool to just keep on winning. We need to put the pressure on City and just keep that little gap. Now, you know, just just if they win, we win. Simple as that. Now, it's not going to be easy. You know, Manchester United are going to come with a game plan. They're going to try and negate everything that we do so I think personally it's vitally important that Liverpool get an early goal and if we do then we may well beat them three or four, we are capable and we all know Manchester United fans themselves, they're dreading this game because they know how far superior Liverpool are to them we've got a lot better players than them the way we're playing it, we're in sync with each other, we've hit a little bit of form as well. After criticisms a couple of weeks ago about, you know, the front three haven't clicked yet, the team hasn't got going we've just been grinding out results and because of the solid base we've got with Van Dyke and Allison. You know, Liverpool hadn't really hit the heights of last season. But slowly but surely we're just finding it now, aren't we? And, you know, I know United fans are terrified going into this game. But you can never, ever be too confident. You can never, ever get too cocky or carried away with it because they have got players that can hurt you. And, you know, it wouldn't be the greatest surprise in the world if they came to Anfield, defended, 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 got so lucky throughout the game and ended up beating us with a circle punch and beating us 1-0. You would not put it against them. You would not put it against the Jose Mourinho side to do it to us and certainly not Manchester United either. So you can't go into it with this attitude of, it's an easy three points because it simply won't be. You, you can't imagine it being that way anyway. Hope I'm wrong, but I can just see it being tight and cagey. And you know, the onus will be on Liverpool to break them down. There's no two ways about it. And you know, it, it's a difficult game to predict because you know, I want to predict it in work with like all the lads in work. And you know, there is a few people who have been putting down 3 0 and 4 0 and 3 1 and what have you. But I mean, personally, I've gone, I've gone for 2 1. I think it'll be a tight game. I do think they'll probably snatch a goal, but I'm just hoping that Liverpool can have a little bit too much for them. And At the end of the day, it's all about getting the three points, and I think we will just about, and I think it'll be a 2-1 Liverpool victory.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think, myself, it's, it's going to be a game, it's going to be a possession-based game, and we're going to pro- probably have 60%, 70% of the possession, and it's now... For- down to us to to take our opportunities. I think we'll create plenty of opportunities and and like you said, it's up to us to to put the ball in the back of the net. I I can't see for one minute United coming and and trying to have a go at Liverpool and and playing as our own game. It's just, it's not the way Jose Mourinho approaches games is it? So yeah, I see us um, with a lot of possession in the game, a lot of chances being created and and if, um, like Wijnaldum said today, Klopp's got them all feet on the ground. He's not letting anyone get carried away with with the with the press coverage and things like that. Um, he's keeping them all feet on the ground, going and taking it one game at a time, especially in the Premier League. So I, I just think that he'll have them well drilled. He'll have them similar to what we was against Napoli, creating plenty of chances, plenty of opportunities. And I just think that we'll we'll ride this one. I, know, I can't really see United coming and and scoring. That I feel not with the form that the Allisons in anyway and the way that we've been so tight at the back. I just think we'll have far too much for them, especially with the form Salah's in Mane as well. It's really um, come good lately as well. So I just think two nil victory for Liverpool. Um, my prediction for this Sunday. Right, okay, before uh, we go, Jay, we've just got a, a band who's been in touch with us this week on Twitter from the, the Huddersfield area. They're called Courtyards. They describe themselves as a indie-based rock band. You can hear them also on BBC Introducing. The song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Backseat by Courtyards.
0: There's things that I still need to see and find Can I take a backseat on
3: your
1: And that song was called "Backseat" by Courtyards. Thanks very much to the lads for getting in touch with us this week and uh, playing their playing their track on the podcast. Once again, um, big thanks to the At Liverpool Online Facebook page for their their association with us this year, been putting out all our our, our podcasts on their their Facebook and their their Twitter page as well. Don't forget this. Uh, Coming Friday, we've got the Lee Butler versus Paul Bentley "No More Knives" campaign uh, charity boxing fight that's going ahead. Um, all the information is on uh, Paul Paul Bentley and Lee Butler's Twitter page, Radio City as well, uh, fully behind that one. So, um, good luck with the with the fight, lads. Um, been speaking to them on on uh, Twitter this weekend. Um, we've also got one or two things happening with them in regards uh, a charity football match coming up. So, we'll keep you all informed on on that one, so that's the Cup Table podcast for the Liverpool versus Manchester United game all well done, thanks very much Jay Cheers, hopefully it's
2: a uh, you know nice three points at the weekend for the Man.
1: Fingers crossed, yeah, and we can go into the uh, to the Wolves fixture the following week, uh, following Friday with our with our tails up once again, so thanks everybody for listening, we'll be back next week with our, our Wolves preview and um, thanks very much for listening, goodbye
0: Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash adhub. That's dot com forward slash adhub. And start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Sports Social Podcast Network.